for a reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax list. The first enrollment occurred when Quirinus governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up to the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city, called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. May the living word of God speak to us through this ancient words of scripture. So all throughout Advent and the month of December, we have been exploring the awe and the wonder of Christmas. We've been trying to figure out how we can reclaim the magic of it. And often the burdens of the world's are a tainted worldview can impact or take away that magic and the majesty or the deeply moving experience of this event that we call Christmas. And so we've been shifting our questions, shifting our questions away from how and trying to explain it towards asking why and seeking a better understanding of why all of this actually matters. And all of this, of course, with the intentional purpose of feeling it again, of experiencing it in a meaningful way. And perhaps there is no better way to do that than through a children's pageant like we just all saw. It stirs up the very best feelings. Maybe not for the parents as they sit there and wonder what their child's going to do while they're standing up here on the steps. But if you have ever seen um, the reels of kids that are diverting from the rest in church choirs or in pageants, um, please look it up on Google. Your heart will absolutely warm. It's worth seeing the dance moves that are out of sync or the yelling of the words of away in a manger instead of singing along with the rest of it, but that is all part of the fun and the familiarity for the rest of us as we get to watch costume children singing and playing instruments and reading words of a story that dates back 2,000 years. It certainly inspires a level of wonder and of awe. But the reality is that there is a certain level of embellishment that has created what we watched here today. Not in the sense of rewriting the story. These words that we read today came directly from one of our children's Bibles. But in fact, the story that we love and that we know is really just a mashup of two of our Gospels, Luke and Matthew, together. And we had a sense of the amping up of the drama, the angel with the arms, the star running down the center aisle. There's an embellishment that comes when we do these pageants. But I think this is purposeful. This is intentional, right? It makes the story come alive. It gives it life. It invites us into an experience of the story. And our relationship to a particular story of the Bible is deepened. It becomes much more meaningful when we experience it in this way. So we get caught up. We get caught up with the shepherds who look starry-eyed at a sky full of angels and run to find the baby. We identify with Mary having just given birth and cradling her love. We feel the regal celebrations of the wise men as they set out on a journey that ends under a star. We feel Joseph's emotions of strength and support as he guards his new little family. These are the details that draw us in. They make the story real. They make it relatable and engaging. But as we read, the text of the actual scriptures it is vastly different in tone, especially the one that we read today. It's very matter of fact. 
It is very straightforward, just the facts, plain and simple. It's told from a very factual perspective rather than an emotional or storytelling one. A couple is required to pay taxes, so they go. And while they were there, she gave birth. There wasn't room in the inn, so her baby was put in a feeding trough for the animals. That is it. It is simple. It is straight to the point. That is all that's happening. Sure, it tugs at the heartstrings a little bit, right? Where is the glitz and glamour, though, that makes us feel? That makes us feel the story. That invites us into the experience of these people. Where is the awe? It's simply not there. So I think then that maybe the pageants of our kids and of our own childhoods, they may actually have it right. It might actually be better than the Bible text. Even though it's not what's actually written in the Bible, this kind of experience of the story is what makes the Bible come alive. It becomes the living word of God. That we can take a very straightforward, simple, plain words and elevate them. Elevate them into something that changes us, that changes the world. They reveal the wonder and the awe and the drama that comes from being in the presence of God. They squarely place God at the center of the story, simply by inducing that sense of awe. And so therefore, at our, at the center of our experience of it. So... Let's romanticize the shepherds bathed in the glowing light of the angels above. Let's humble the kings as they kneel before an infant in a reversal of the world order. Let's play up the drama where there is no room at the inn just to show how outcast and desperate this young couple was. Now it's relatable. Now that is a story for the ages. Because that is the only way that all of this makes sense. How else can we make sense of God breaking into our world? It can't just be that simple. It can't be the simple story that is so straightforward. The only way that our human minds can make sense of this is when the story becomes something that is beyond human. Because this is what humanity has been waiting for. It's what we've been waiting for all of Advent, to experience it to experience what it means when God breaks into our human world with a message of divine hope and love. And the drama and the excitement, they only serve to make it more real, more like we are actually experiencing the presence of God. And that is when we really feel it when it really becomes a part of us, when the Christmas story isn't just a story that happened 2,000 years ago in some shape or form, but is instead the revelation of the great redemption of the earth by the God who loves it and who loves us beyond measure. It is the breaking through of the divine into our very experience, to elevate it to one of wonder and of awe. And this is what makes us realize that today we aren't just marking an anniversary. We don't celebrate Christmas year after year to mark some event that happened in history. By celebrating Christmas, we are acknowledging that God didn't just break into our world once 2,000 years ago, but that the promises of God to bring hope and truth and grace and light and love, that these are breathed into our lives with every breath that we take. It happened then. And it happens now. And it will continue to happen into the eternal future 
because there was nothing that could have held back God from sharing this world with us, from offering us the grace and the love that is born in Christ. So we sit with wonder at why this is. We come with awe and marvel at the extraordinary events that God sparks in our lives and in the world. And we celebrate. We celebrate with the shepherds and the angels, with Mary and Joseph, with the wise men and the star. Because finding God in the reality of everyday existence, in the reality of their everyday existence, of these ordinary men and women, it is what sustains us, sustains us through the reality of our everyday existence, knowing that God's promises are here, now, that God, Emmanuel, is indeed with us. Merry Christmas. <laughs>